Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I've got a really good joke for you this week, and it's not one that's on a comedian's website. Not a James Acaster it's joke. It's not a James Acaster joke I was going to say, because that's week. the only joke she's been telling recently, it's just James. retelling his bits. I love his bits. But it's not that. Somebody sent it to me at the radio, on the huh. talk radio show, and the joke is, did you hear about the tragic accident uh, that involved this woman in a laundrette? She fell into, she died when she got trapped into one of those huge industrial washing machines but at least she died in comfort oh that's good it's all right isn't it i think yeah i think that's really solid it's just good work thank you not my work though somebody actually uh, sent it to me but still so just keeping up with just reclaiming other people's stuff then very much so very much so Um, but i don't think of it as plagiarism i think of it as a tribute and if, if you want more gems of wisdom like that, um, you'll find such things in Dad's book. Yes, we were just uh, we just happened to find in the studio an old copy of my two thousand and three book. When will I be famous? Answer: Never. But in it, and he's did, still waiting fifteen yes, years later. Yes, but we did have a, which I thought was quite a good line that these days nobody copies anything; it's just a tribute. And that was indeed a tribute. So, loads of stuff in the papers about Love Island. I mean, obviously, it's finished. It's finished. You, Being a bit, we've not be, we've not been able to do instant hot takes. No, we haven't. You, I mean, you were away. I mean, when you came back, did you watch the stuff that we taped? Because we taped. No, I've not seen the last four episodes, but the end episodes are always really boring anyway. Because everyone's just happy in their couple, so I just kind of uh, I didn't watch the final, and I didn't watch maybe did, two before. Did you know the result of the final? Oh yeah. Though? But I mean, did you? Because you were trying to avoid it. I was told don't say what the result is, but you presumably you yeah, just I saw just, it on yeah. social media. I just uh, I like I looked it up. I think. Mm. Because I was like, no, I'm probably not going to watch it anyway. So. Yeah. Well, it was a disappointing series, wasn't it? For, according no, to, I disagree entirely. Well, all the critics say that. There was a lot of stuff in the weekend papers. Uh, the final, like the series as a whole, felt as if it lasted several years. It kept up the strange duality of Love Island, a show that conforms to a ten-year-old's idea of romance, love letters and cuddly toys, and one Egypt making a speech about fairy tale princesses, while also encouraging strangers to have sex on national television. Tommy and Molly May, who I was convinced... Would win. Well, I was told by everybody. Because it seemed that they would be so nailed on to win because it's usually the couple who are the the strongest or the couple who've stayed together the most who end up together who win. 
Well, yeah. Um, my friend you know, Ali Ross... People just who, didn't want them as yeah, much. My friend Ali Ross convinced me. and I, I, The only reason I didn't put money on it was because they were such, such short odds. It wasn't worth it. Uh, but Tommy Molly May says uh, Anita Singh, so sweet you could develop a dental cavity just by watching them, uh, were the bookies' favourites from the beginning. Maura and Curtis were the most focused on winning, giving it their all, despite having all the sexual chemistry of Elton John and his ex-wife. But the viewers voted, hurrah, for the warm and whip-smart Amber. Yeah, Amber's great. Uh, the only woman in the villa who did not look like she'd been moulded from marzipan. That's what she wrote in The Telegraph. In The Times, uh, Hugo Rifkin, who I like very much, said, Love Island has ended in as much as it ever does. It's all backwards, that show. After six weeks of constant nudity, the final is when at last you get to see what they all look like with their clothes on. The girls all chose some manner of insane bodycon. What's a bodycon? Bodycon dresses, like tight. Oh, like tight dresses, yeah. While the boys all had to sweat it out in the Mallorcan heat in three-piece dinner suits. Never mind who won, because the most interesting characters were clearly Maura and Curtis. Oh, Curtis, piece of work. Her with her narrow-eyed wit and lustiness, and him with his urge to cover his crotch with a pillow after a spot of nude wrestling with Tommy. Hmm. So he's sort of implying that... Uh, well, a lot, quite a lot of people have been saying that Curtis... Curtis is a bit gay, Yeah, really. but I think that's unfair, because... You shouldn't assume someone's like sexuality or whatever. You have to hold people to what they say. Mm. So I and think it's a bit dangerous of, ground. Mm, talking of being a bit gay, you were at an event yesterday that was a lot gay. Well, um, I went to Pride. You went to Pride and stayed out till three o'clock in the morning at Pride. You went to a drag queen club. We went to, uh, yeah, like a, a gay bar. And then um, we watched all the the parades of companies taking advantage of well yeah day. precisely I, I mean people always say the same thing about pride and it's the most hackneyed line of all when people say why do you have a march for heterosexuals oh well uh, yeah which is it's, it's nonsense yeah all right fair enough and the same way as when you get the music of black origin award when i was on radio leeds i knew that the first phone call i would get would be somebody saying why don't we have music of white origin so i said well you've got it it's, it's everything else it's classical music or country music or, but most music is just of black origin, you know, even like country music, if you look. Well, country music is is a sort of mix. Country music yeah. is a mongrel. It's, it's, it's like Scottish folk music, you know, when they went to yeah. the deep South America, and uh, it is black music as well. So country music is a mix of everything. Rock and roll is certainly music of black origin. So anything that has its roots in rock and roll, whether it's U2 yeah, or Queen yeah, yeah. or whatever. It's and then all pop music, hip-hop, jazz. A lot of it is. Do you know what I mean? Like, so you wonder... A, a music of white origin award would just be... Classical music? Be Mozart sitting in a room on his own. Well, no, you see, there's, there, there's a, there is music of white origin. There's some of the... Um, there's folk music, for a start. If, you know, when, when you look at Scottish folk music... But, like, it, <clears> isn't <throat> folk music... A lot of well, American folk music comes from some of it does. Well, yeah, some some of that does, but some of it was settlers who went over to America, Scots, Irish, uh, etc., even English, and um, that folk music would be music of white origin. So it's, it's all a mix. Pride. On the other hand, it's good to celebrate when it first started. It's good to celebrate the fact. Well, at that first, we, it was a protest. Yeah, more than a like. Now it's more of like a celebration and stuff. But well, now it's more of a corporate event 
for t- like it's it a is and it isn't. For, well, it is. It's for television companies to show how woke they are and how on board they are with all the current. Uh, but then. <sighs> The other choice is not to have something like that. I mean, I chose not to be there. You chose to be there. And you you were underwhelmed as well. When it started, when it all started, we thought, it's good to celebrate that we're not in the Alan Turing era anymore. We're not persecuting gays. Admittedly, people might have their own personal problems in their own personal but, life, but it's, it's not generally, there isn't a societal prejudice against gays anymore. Oh, I disagree entirely. I think there completely is. It's a, a, a massive societal oppression of gay people still. In what if you way? saw, so did you see the two girls who got beat up on the tube? I'm not saying that individual people. Oh, were, no, just, I think, I think there's still, as much as there is inherent racism in England. I think there's in, inherent homophobia. Well, there's inherent also... See, I'm glad you've you've raised uh, racism because Prince Harry has now been uh, nailing... Prince Harry, who uh, dressed up as a Nazi, you might remember, about five years ago. Everyone makes Prince, mistakes. Yeah. So Prince Harry, yeah, but he's telling us all, he's lecturing us all on racism, which, quite frankly, I wish the royal family would just shut up and wave... You know, wave, leave it at that. The Duke of Sussex, right, he's saying um, he's spoken out about the unconscious bias of racism. Uh, He says some people behave in racist ways without realising it because of their upbringing. He says, I'm not saying to someone you're a racist. I'm just saying that your unconscious bias is proving that because of the way that you've been brought up, the environment brought up in, you have this point of view, unconscious point of view. So he's saying that we're all unconsciously racist. Which, yeah. to some, ex- yeah, some extent we are, but we don't need to be lectured by a member of the royal family. A member of the no, royal but family... He's got remember- a, no, but he's got a public platform. Also, it doesn't have to feel like he's lecturing you. Like, well, it is you a can lecture. Take, you can- he is a lecture. You know, being, this, is, this is a man, remember, when he was in the army, he referred to someone as uh, our little packy friend. But um, you can, like, I think you can grow and learn from yes, you mistakes you've you- made in the past and then, mm. and then choose to speak about things that you now understand. Like, did you see Jamila Jamil's um, tweet? Piers Morgan, like, called her... Jamila Jamil is a real, like, activist, and she speaks about a lot of stuff. Who is she? What she do? She was a presenter on T4, and then she was the radio host of The Chart with Scott Mills. Ah, You'll recognise her, I think. And then, But she talks a lot about, um, like, body positivity and body activism and stuff. Piers Morgan, I think it was, had a go at her for something, for whatever, Um <sighs> Oh, here, found it. It is never too late to check yourself and right your wrongs. I used to be slut-shamey, judgmental, and my feminism wasn't intersectional enough. Nobody is born perfectly work. Listen, read, learn, grow, change, and make room for everyone. We aren't free till all of us are free. Because she'd once, like, called a woman, I think, some kind of, whatever, like, slutty slut. Slut-shaming. Yeah, slut-shaming It's very someone. popular slut-shaming these days, isn't it? <laughs> I hear it all the time. And then Piers Morgan was like, oh, and you talk, you talk about activism for women and talking about all women and stuff and then and you've said this or whatever and she was like yeah I absolutely did say that I didn't understand why it was wrong and I do now and now I talk about it and I don't think there's anything wrong with using your platform to say something before we uh, entirely leave the subject of Love Island I'm quite fascinated having watched virtually none of it have you uh, read Lena Dunham's article though 
I did read Lena Dunham's article. If you've uh, been watching Love Island and you've not read Lena Dunham's piece article on it, give it a read. Yeah, it was really two or three good. decent jokes in it. Um, no, but it was also like really moving. Gave me goosebumps. Really? Yeah. You're, you're getting moved a lot these days. What else did I get moved by? You were saying you were in tears at some oh some art yeah art you went to in France. Mm. Why why were you in tears? What was it? It was so I went to this thing called L'Atelier de Lumière. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so it's like all one really big room it's an old foundry which I now know is something to do with iron yes this is where they used to bang out iron and you know put it into shapes and things so, so as a man who does not know how iron works no I know I've seen, oh, yeah, I've seen, seen a foundry it. I've seen all the you've seen Flashdance what's that got to do with a foundry because she, she's a welder oh is she yeah I don't know that. I've never seen the film you've never seen Flashdance no should I see Flashdance? Is it a major cultural... Um, I would say it's a cultural cornerstone. <laughs> would you? Uh, no, I'm just surprised you've not seen it. Mm. Well, it's just not the sort of film I go and see. But I like you're, films... you're really old and you've not seen it. Yeah. Do you know I what I mean? Well, yeah, but I didn't go and see All films All your years? Like, yeah, I didn't go and see films like Flashdance. You know, I'd be more likely to go and see a film that's, you know, a film of yeah, ideas rather, if... than a, rather than dance. Well, I would. A film of ideas. Yeah, a film that would actually go somewhere. That's, you, you know what sort of films I, I go and see. I don't know. Flashdance is not a bad film. film, I don't think. Formula, I was looking at what year it came film. out. 76, 77. Oh, way off. 83. What? 83, yeah. yeah. Maybe I've not seen Flashdance. <laughs> now I'm looking at the pictures. No, I don't think I've seen Flashdance either. So how do you know there's a foundry scene in it? No, there's not a foundry, but she's a welder. Because that's she's famously a welder. She's no, she's she's a woman who works a day job in a steel mill. All oh, right. So what's she called? Jennifer something. Jennifer Beals, Beals is the yeah. actress. Jennifer yeah. Beals. No, I've not seen Flashdance either. Hmm. So, so who knows if it's rubbish or not? Well, it I, was just the sort of film I wouldn't go and see. And you, you, you know, you should know that. When you know, it's, it was like a formula film. It was a, you know, the same way as I wouldn't normally go and see a Spider-Man film or a superhero film. You should not have gone and seen that Spider-Man film then. I'll tell you what I shouldn't have gone to see. Midsummer. 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 Is it Midsummer? It's Midsummer. It's Midsummer, basically. Midsummer. It's, yeah, it compares to Midsummer. I, I quite fancied that as well. It's so hate, You would hate I, it. Yeah. Because you've been away for quite some time. Yeah. And while you've been away, I've made my own Spotify playlist. Oh, God. I'm so excited I can't, about I've been, I'd been away for basically a month, not spoken to Dad. Yeah. And, and then... come back and I've got... I came, I came, I came back and I was like... Oh, I, you know, I was just... See, any time of the day or night, I can play Stan I wanted Mary to, you know, tell him about my trip and stuff like that. <laughs> and then straight away, oh, Ruth, I've, I've got a Spotify playlist. I've made a Spotify playlist. I've been working really hard on it. Yeah. This is, before I left, Dad was like, oh, I've got a great idea for a screenplay. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get back writing. I'm going to do all these things. And then I came back, I was like, oh, how was all the writing stuff going? And then he's like, I've made a Spotify playlist. It's got 145 songs on it. It's got more. It's got 200 and odd now. Oh, wow. It's brilliant. He's like, that's what I've spent all my time doing. Uh, mm. I've had a bit of spare time because I've not been doing the podcast and I've filled that really well and yeah. I've made a Spotify playlist. Absolutely. And that was it. And I can just press shuffle play and, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, great goodies come up. Dad, this is not the music section. No, it's Don't not. Play, it's stop just, playing music. I'm trying to, what, what's this one, do you think? Ah, I know what it is. It's uh, Streets of Philadelphia by uh, Oh, Bruce I was going to say it's um, Flashback. One night. It, oh, you, you think the Four Seasons? No, no, Almost Left Behind. 
suitcase and uh, time after time. Oh, time after time, no. Cindy Lauper. Um, is that yeah. Cindy Lauper? Yes, it is Cindy Lauper. What is the what of this podcast spiralled into? Well, there we go. But I can any time of the day or night I can do that. Before we leave, he's, he's Spotify must have been around for a decade or something, and that's asking like he's it's not he's just been invented. Invented probably about five uh, years. I've um, reinvented the light bulb here, and um, it's excellent. <laughs> Look at this electricity. Cars they move. That's fantastic. Before we leave uh, Love Island, um, there was Martha Gill, another fine journalist, wrote a piece saying the interesting thing about winning Love Island is the only way you can win it is by not competing, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, She says to compete is to lose. If you can look as though you wandered into the villa by accident and would be surprised, possibly appalled by the offer of a cash prize, you've got a decent chance of winning. It's It's absolutely abhorrent if you think for a second, oh, I would quite like to win. Like, no one would ever say that. No, that's right. As she said, uh, she wrote this actually before the uh, the final. Mm. It's like you have to perform a double bluff, don't you? You have to pretend yeah. not to be... You have to be authentically pretending not to be interested in winning the prize. And I think that, that it's, like, an interesting lens mm. to, like, view the world through. Yes, that's what she's Because I written. think that it's... A similar thing, especially teenagers, is it's so cool not to care. You don't want to seem like you care about anything. You don't want to ever admit that you're passionate about something or that you like someone or anything like that because that would be opening yourself up to, you know, as soon as you say that you truly enjoy something or truly enjoy someone's company or something, you open yourself up to being ridiculed, I Mm. think. And then, yeah, and this thing of, like, everyone's trying so hard to be cool all the time and then with stuff like social media it's cooler to be self-deprecating and say you don't care about stuff but actually it's really insincere Mm. definitely when I was in high school and stuff I would not never say anything you know if someone made like a sexist comment or something I would never Mm speak up about it your friends do they make sexist comments i mean do you ever not massively really not anymore i think again younger like 15 16 but not really anymore and the girls don't although we're all slut shamey yeah i'm not surprised (laughs) why you say it like that well, because I, I know that's what uh, girls do like to talk, yeah. talk about other girls. And I think, you, you're definitely uh, going to get into the slut-shaming area, aren't you? Oh, 100%. Yeah, we'll be slut-shaming and then we talk about looks and weight. But it's hard not to, isn't it? Like, yeah. It's the nature of the beast. It is. I mean, everybody's got opinions, and and sometimes they're subconscious, and if they are, it's just part of who you are. You know, you don't need Prince Harry but to then, come and tell you. No, but... But then again, if you recognise that you've got, like, a subconscious opinion, then you can check yourself and then, like, actively try and change that. I don't think it's, like, a part of your character that you can't change. We seem to have been all over the place, really, which I think is probably my fault. No, we've Uh, kind of just done Love Island. Yeah, so we've just done Love Island, really. We've we've been talking for the best part of half an hour and we've covered Love Island. (laughs) Right. Let's then read some of the um, emails, shall we? We've got a lot of emails this week. You were saying that good emails? Good emails. Uh, Bethany Sharrett, this is a bit corporate, um, but she has been listening to the uh, podcast. She said, I wanted to introduce you to plant-based range meatless farm to make sure that they're on your radar. 
So she's told us all about the uh, about the company. And when are we getting free stuff? Yeah, and I, I was going. I raised this because you want to get free stuff, don't you? You you want to be an influencer. Want free and, stuff? Yeah. That's and why everyone get, gets into this. You I did, want free stuff. You did get a free uh, a free little sort bag of, of crisps. We got free crisps, but we also got free. What was it? It's like a Philofax. I don't know what they call them these oh, days. Oh yeah, no, uh, like a planner. A planner. It was this woman sent us this who runs this thing for students. Cook uh, and clean. Cook and U- uni clean. cook and clean. Uni cook and clean. Is that yeah, what the yeah. car? I forgot what the company It's like got recipes in the front and then um, lists that you can make shopping lists and stuff. Right. See, that's why I'm not an influencer because I forget the names of the companies that uh, that send stuff. But we, there's been quite a lot of stuff in the papers. Here we go. Pupils taught how to live like students, uh, and this is basically the fact that a lot of people like yourself going off to university next year don't know how to cook and clean and wash and uh, and plan the money and all that sort of thing. And this is all yeah. in the, this <laughs> money, financial ma- like management and stuff. Yeah. Is they, well, they should teach it. Don't teach it in schools, it's ridiculous. Well, they're starting doing it now. There's uh, loads of workshops that have been uh, created by an organisation called Unite Students. I've and heard, yeah. Course, we got talked about Unite Students when we were at, high, at, college. at college. Yeah, and, and uh, you remember the name of this woman, which was Uni Cook and Clean, who sent you the planner and everything. And I will um, remember all the other names of the people who've sent yes. us free stuff. So, yes, if you want to send us free stuff, you can, and we'd be delighted to receive it. No um, one will be happier about receiving free stuff than us no uh, well you especially you, uh, you know i used stuff? to when i was a famous disc jockey the i best. used to get i don't even care stuff. what it is mm. i take if someone sent me like a wristband i'd be like excellent mm. free stuff well uh, like i was saying when i was a famous disc jockey i used to get lots of free stuff Electric, when was this in <laughs> another life <laughs> about 30 years ago electric light orchestra sent me a paperweight anyway they uh, the meatless farm company do lots of meatless products she says the average britain 750 grams consume nearly twice the average britain who wears 750 well, grams it's 750 grams which is obviously very small for a average britain it's, <laughs> less, than tiny a kilogram, it's a less than a kilogram <laughs> Um, the average Briton consumed nearly twice as many meat alternatives oh, in 2018. You know, when you said that about little tiny people, I thought of that downsizing film. Oh, I, I watched it a little bit of it again. It's still I know, so bad. That's what it's all right. Well, <laughs> Were you like trying it out again to see whether it's Yeah, good? I was trying to see if it was better than I thought it it's, was first it's time. It's such a good concept. It's a brilliant idea. And it's really well, like, well done. Do you know what I mean? Like, they've created the world the f- so well and stuff. Mm. And then, ah. Oh, the highlight of that film is when he's first become small and she brings in a packet of giant crackers, which are just normal-sized crackers and they've got <laughs> giant to him. And that, I think when you're doing a film about small people, what you uh, need That's is... That's what you needed, less less plot, more just putting little people next to big things <laughs> yeah that's what you want uh, so if you're uh, listening do you remember I, going to that honey i shrunk the kids like world mm. when we went to disney i'm not very good with having like loads of you know really early memories and for some reason going to honey i shrunk the kids land is like so vivid it's like mm. my, one of my earliest memories yeah so uh, alexander payne if you're listening and you at any time direct another film like downsizing what you want to do is just forget the plot have lots of small people next to big things oh i'd watch that for hours yeah me too i want it to be a four hour long film (laughs) yeah so once that film so i watched it for everybody was away so i had nothing to do so i was watching the i know i could have written a screenplay but instead i was watching the tv 
And watching a film that you already know you don't like. Yeah, I was watching a film that I already know I don't like and eating uh, salt and black pepper crisps at the same time. In his natural habitat. So what other emails have we got? Any more free stuff? Well, we haven't got free stuff here. Uh, what, what she's saying, the average Briton, bracket 750 grams, that's how we got into downsizing, consume nearly twice as many meat alternatives in 28 as in the US, brackets 350 grams. So that's... We, we, we consume 750 grams of meat alternatives. The Americans, boo, only have 350 grams, so we're eating twice as many meat alternatives as them. Good. But pretty soon, with the way the economy is going, we won't be able to afford meat anyway, so... Uh, yeah, we'll just be on a diet of, like, sort of cabbage soup and potato skins and stuff. Well, that's what Project Fear is saying, and uh, Project Fear may turn out to be right. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, this is the thing you... Oh, we don't like fear-mongering and scaremongering. Scaremongering? Yeah. Well, like... Boris Johnson doesn't like it at all. He, he calls them the gloomsters and the doomsters. Get away! Gloomsters and doomsters! It's quite uh, a good Boris Johnson voice, oh, that. Thank you. Well, I might... Yeah, no, you, they've done all this scaremongering, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's much more complex than that, and apparently, actually, now it's just terrible. So, anyway, Alex Simpson who's not uh, a company, so he won't be sending us any free stuff, says, Hi, Martin and Ruth. As probably one of your younger listeners, I've just turned 20. That uh, is your... Yeah. yeah. I've been a listener to the podcast since it began. I'm e- emailing about two Why? things you said on the most recent... Po- no, you shouldn't be... You've been too self-deprecating now. It's because I'm cool. Uh, no kidding. I'm emailing about two things said on the most recent part. On your Spider-Man Far From Home conversation, Ruth is exactly right. What a surprise. And Martin, you're completely wrong. MJ is a well-rounded... Email more often, please. Uh, MJ is a well-rounded character, and Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man there's been. I've had the same conversation with my dad numerous times, trying to explain how the MCU works. What's the MCU? Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, the MCU works, and how the different Spider-Men, or in your words, Spider-Mans, are completely different. The easiest way to think about it is that when classic novels such as Pride and Prejudice are adapted, they do not inhabit the same universe as the prior That's adaptation. an excellent way to describe it. Well done, Alex. On your conversation about singers providing the vocals for actors without getting the credit, because we talked about Marnie Nixon, I think. Yeah, and yeah. Others. So, and we talked a bit about singing in the rain, one Ruth might relate to more is the high school musical films. Uh, given that we're nearly the same age, I'm sure she's watched them. Have you? Yeah. Had a high school musical three themes mm. party for my, like, 10th birthday or something. Well, in the first one, Zac Efron isn't singing. But instead, I've heard this and it rocked my world. Yeah, instead a singer called Drew Seeley did the vocals. Efron sang in two and three, though. And if you Weird listen that, to, to the songs, it's really noticeable. Anyway, he loves it. Nick Store uh, wrote to us from North Georgia and he was talking about uh, different versions of Andrew Gold's song. Uh, Ruth's song choices, as ever, he says, remain way too modern for me as a 44-year-old. Have a nice day. And that's Nick. <laughs> that's the whole email. <laughs> yeah, that's Nick. Well, he's written about Andrew Golder. I know you, you, we, we covered that quite yeah. well. Yeah. Toby Egglesfield, meanwhile, the heading of his, his email was, I just lost 20% of my couch, he said, which I don't understand. He says, ouch, enjoying the show. Also, here's a playlist that intersects somewhat with your musical taste. That's my musical taste. He says, uh, might be a couple of gems that you'd uh, forgotten 
or not discovered in there. Well, you're absolutely right. Because I was doing Andrew Gold, so I'm doing sort of uh, late 70s, early 80s stuff quite a lot, mm. you know, and the country rock stuff that Howard Rawkus complained and middle about. Middle of the road. Middle stuff, of the road yeah. country rock. He suggested people like Stephen Bishop, who did the... I almost played Stephen Bishop. He did the song from uh, Tootsie. And you know how much I love Tootsie. Now, that is a great film. Uh, I've forgotten the title of it. You know, it might be you. It might be you. Uh, Captain Beefheart, he mentioned, we, we have played. Godly and Cream, uh, who were half of 10CC, I like them. Uh, and James Taylor. Uh, and a lot of the songs that he recommended have made their way onto my own personal uh, Spotify playlist. My God. Uh, however, the title of this podcast is just going to be Dad Goes On About His Spotify for, <laughs> no, for an hour. Toby Egglesfield, who sent us this, I've, I've picked one of his, one of his uh, suggestions that I'd completely well, forgotten. Dad, let's have some music then. So what is your song that you've picked for Well, today? now, this is somebody you may have heard of. The singer is from the 1970s, from 1979, and the singer is a chap called Paul McCartney. Oh, uh, who, who, he was in that, the, um, the Grasshoppers. Yeah. You would never have thought that there'd be a Paul McCartney uh, track that not only would you not know, but I'd forgotten completely wow. altogether. Uh, the track's called Arrow... And you thought he was infallible. <laughs> yep. Uh, the track's called Arrow Through Me. sound like the Beatles and obviously well it, it did a bit doesn't I, I don't think yeah that's from Paul McCartney the desperate years see we, because Paul McCartney is about such a lot now and you know you see him mm. on interviews you see him on YouTube clips and do that brilliant thing with James Corden there's all that stuff 
Uh, you think, oh, Paul McCartney's always been with us. But there was Paul McCartney, the wilderness years. After Wings started, they were great. And then they went through uh, an era where they couldn't get arrested. People they got really bad reviews. And people didn't, wouldn't buy it. You know, that was from an album called Back to the Egg, which was the seventh and final studio album by Wings. Seventh? Gosh, that's quite a lot of albums as yeah, well. Yeah, well, that's almost as many as the Beatles made. But that was Wings did the seventh. I can't believe that the Beatles made so few yeah. Albums, well, actually, really. they made more than that. I suppose the Beatles must have made about. That's you that. see. If this is going to be a mastermind topic, yeah, you're right. For, well, the problem is, it's, it's difficult to say. Was Magical Mystery Tour an album or was it uh, an EP? It was and an, asking the big questions. Yeah, because it was an album in America, Magical Mystery Tour. And then what happened was the American album was imported here, but it came out here as a double EP. I think this is the most bored I've ever been. Really? Mm. Why in your whole life or just during the <laughs> podcast? Oh, it's close. And there speaks someone who's been to several Catholic church services. Several? Felt, I used to have to go... Well, yeah. Have to go. You used to go every used Sunday. Used to go every Sunday. And, but you've been to various Founders Day things at your uh, Catholic high school. Oh, your, God, there were some yeah. boring masses. And this is the most boring board you've ever this been. This beats it. Mm. Anyway, so to continue with that, uh, it was a double a double EP. Oh, you truly are continuing. I thought it was yeah, a joke. Yeah. No, no. Do you know what an EP is? Yeah. On. It's like an album, but shorter. It's, it's just ex- like usually about six tracks. Extended play, yeah, four four tracks uh, for the original. Because uh, the Beatles had a lot of EPs that were hits, things like Twist and Shout. But Magical Mystery, I'd say, was a double EP over here. It was an album in the states, then it was re-imported back here as an album. Do we count that in the, as the Beatles albums? <sighs> I can honestly a... say I just don't care. No, have you ever seen Magical Mystery Tour? Um, I've a, seen a clips of it, yeah, but I've not seen the. I've it was a TV film. It. it was very poorly received at the time. I remember somebody reviewing it at the time in uh, Melody Maker or New Musical Express, and said, uh, "Here was my Christmas. On uh, Christmas Day, uh, we uh, we had the family round and showed our home movies. On Boxing Day, we switched on the telly and the Beatles showed theirs. So it, it got rather badly received, but was was quite good. But anyway, the, the back to the egg. Seventh and final studio on my wings. The album." Ref- reflects a band leader Paul McCartney's embracing of contemporary musical trends such as new wave and uh, punk. Back to the Egg adopted a loose conceptual theme around the idea of a working band. So it was a sort of, had a variety of different songs, but as I say, not very well uh, received. With Rolling Stone magazine deriding it as, quotes, the sorriest grab bag of dreck in recent memory. So in those days, it was quite okay to completely rubbish Paul McCartney, and he was for a number of years. Uh, and we forget that, and I've forgotten the track, so thank you to Toby for reminding do you, me. So do you like that song, there? Do you not like it? No, I was just curious, because mm. you were kind of like, everyone, you know, everyone kind of hated it, mm. and then I'd forgotten about it, and so I was... Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm so glad to be. I was going to say reintroduced, but really introduced because I didn't listen to that album at all. That, you know, it's just so exciting. It is, isn't it? What have you got for us? Right. So, somebody else. Somebody else we may have heard of. Yeah, I've gone. Well, not Root One, mm. but yeah, someone you definitely will have heard of. I've got a song from Lily Allen uh, from her 2018 her new album called No Shame because I think that you kind of think of Lily Allen and um, sort of smile and. Um, F you and somewhere only mm. the 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 advert or whatever. Popping, very pop. I think you always there's certain songs by Lily Allen that the whole population knows, but she's actually quite prolific. Like the whole album is really good, and she talks about 
a lot of more like grown up things. She talks about motherhood and like stuff like that. And it's a really good album. And this song is everything to feel something. Everything to feel something. Everything to feel something from No Shame. Yeah, I think Lily Allen's had a bit of stick in well, the past. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to think. Lily Allen is a cricket fan. She loves cricket. Oh, Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. She was on, uh, there was a show called uh, Test Match Special, um, which they used to do on uh, Radio 4, Radio 5. And uh, she used to turn up and do a bit of punditry on cricket. Oh. Who, who knew? I mean, you yeah. wouldn't see her as a cricket fan. No, she is. not all. But she, what's she get stick for? Because she does get a lot of stick. Just for being a ballsy woman, probably, more than anything. And then back in the day, you know, she was quite wild, like took drugs and stuff like that. And then she um, slept with Liam Gallagher when he was married. Liam Gallagher? Yeah, Liam Gallagher. Oh, no. <laughs> no, Liam. Same thing. No, and <sighs> different people, but yeah. I think she, yeah, she slept with Liam when he was, like, married or whatever. And so then, a bit of slut shaming then. I that think would be so. Yeah, classic, classic slut shaming. Yeah, and sort of. I think that people were harder on her than they were on him. Just yeah, she's had to stick in the past and stuff. And then she wrote this book, which was really um, sort of critically acclaimed. Like people say, she's actually a really good writer and like read it and stuff. And then I listened to her love stories, the Dolly Alderton podcast, and she she talked on that and stuff. And I was like, oh. And she's clearly really intelligent and stuff, mm-hmm. and the album really shows that. So I like it a lot. And her dad is Keith Allen, isn't he? Who's a comedian or was a comedian? I don't know. Um, and if you do want to listen to those two songs in full, then go over to the Spotify playlist. Yes, go over to our Spotify playlist, and I'll, I'll put my own one on there shortly. But you go on to the Spotify playlist, which is Ruthie, Me and My Dad. Or, well, there's a couple of ways of getting it, isn't it? You can either type in Ruthie, Me and My Dad or just Martin and Ruth. And if you want to send us an email, I don't forget, we didn't plug that earlier on, it's martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. So that's martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. Here's some interesting research, Ruth, which would uh, indicate why you're so well-behaved and so well-adjusted. The headline on the story is children... (laughs) Very good at burying things. (laughs) uh, Children of older parents behave better. Children born to older parents are better behaved, according to a study. Researchers analysed the behaviour of more than 32,800 Dutch children when they were 10 to 12 years old. They found that children of older parents tended to have fewer external behaviour problems such as aggression than children of uh, younger parents hmm. so have you found because it's interesting you're the way you stand in the birth order in that you, you've got older siblings who are now away from home so you're sort of almost like a, an only child and uh, I was 50 well just over 50 when you were born and your mum was 40s have you found that having older parents to be a disadvantage or an advantage or have you, have I you just don't think I've found it either not, no and not having siblings at home really so much you did have I did for most of my youth really I did the it's only in the last sort of last three years, years which is years, yeah. 
it's not really your like formative years like before 12 mm-hmm. before the age of 12 is like when you do all your sort of yeah. developing your personality and everything and were like you, that were you aware when you were growing up when you I knew were, when that you my were parents were older than everyone else well yeah. not everyone else's but they were older. a lot of other people yeah. yeah and certainly when I used to pick you up from uh, you know from primary school I would often be mistaken for a, for a grandparent rather than a parent because a lot of the kids were it is embarrassing it only happened once or twice but a lot of parents had had kids in their 20s you know because it yeah, yeah. was a working class area where a lot of there were a lot of younger parents you know there was who had their kids when they were 20 or you know or, 18 you know, or whatever teenagers. yeah yeah so I did look you know older than than those uh, parents and especially as I'd been bringing children to that primary school for sort of 20 yeah, years yeah. by the time uh, I took you to school I don't know like I think it is interesting but then I think that the sort of I guess it would be different if you weren't like active do you know what I mean? Like mm. neither of you are, neither of you have like long-standing health issues or anything like that that would like make you seem a lot quite, older. Yeah, Do you know we what I mean? Quite rotted into decrepitude, had we yet? <laughs> well, well, not yet. No, but yeah, I think that would make a difference. But I think it's more of an advantage, really, because I think it is because I, you, I think you have more life exp- experience yeah. when you're older, and also you had a career that was you know sort of not done but you'd like developed it and it was yeah i wasn't striving you weren't exactly you're not like wasn't a big thing you're not like ambitious to be going and doing something not all the like you worked a lot and you still do and when i was a kid and you weren't like always there all the time and stuff which is like all parents you know what i mean you're going out and working and stuff you'd kind of developed who you were in like a professional capacity and then you have a kid as well. Whereas I think that if you're doing both at the same time, that must be really quite difficult. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because you're not being, you weren't being pulled in sort of like a, oh, I want to do this for me, but also be there for my kids. Because you've kind of already done yeah. the doing yeah, stuff you, for yeah, yourself. Yeah, you're right. You, but, you, I think it's because you, you had kids, you didn't have kids young anyway, really. No. I mean, but, you weren't old, but like. Yeah, I was sort of like 30s, yeah. uh, early 30s when. Uh, when we started having kids and at that age you see what I, I, I used to, i'm looking at it from my point of view uh, you know i was doing things like breakfast shows and then coming home and having a you know a little toddler around at home mm. when you've got a parent who's already sort of done not done with their career but achieved what they what sort of wanted to, to achieve, achieve yeah. and it had, like has done the being ambitious bit then there's less of a chance for sort of not res- yeah resentment between a parent and a child because you're not thinking yeah. Oh, I love this kid, but also I'm twenty twenty five, and I want to yeah no, no, no decide who I am as I, well. There's a very famous quote from a, a writer years ago, a guy called Cyril Connolly. Cyril Connolly. It's easy for me to say. And there's a quote from him. He said, "There is no more somber enemy of good art." than the pram in the hallway. And I think he was talking about his own uh, life as a writer and artist, that you sort of, if the pram's there in the hallway, your focus shifts and you lose focus. And then you can resent a child if you lose focus like that. So in in a way, with... I think it probably creates more of a healthy parent-child relationship. Well, that's what this Dutch uh, research... But I thought, mm, interesting, Dutch children, because people seem really well-behaved in Holland. Yeah, all children. I I know they're not, but, you know, you you meet... uh, I love Holland. If you go to to Holland... There's less screaming kids there. I think that's fair. Fewer screaming kids. 
less for kids. Chop one up. Yeah, fewer screaming kids. Do you I know was I thought, dying for someone to just break one day and be like, no, I'm not doing this less and fewer thing and just chop someone in half or something. Yeah, well, I thought we were going to get through this whole podcast without me having a less fewer incident, but um, but clearly not. Uh, just one fight, but uh, I say, you know, Dutch kids, you, when you go to Holland uh, and you meet them and uh, they speak perfect English and... Uh, no, but I do. When I was on holiday, um, especially in France, I think we were, I was always really surprised by how like quiet and mellow the kids were. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if you go out into any city when you're in the UK, it's always screaming kids and running around and really. Do you know what the a lot the noisiest, most annoying city in the United Kingdom is, and that is London. We, we've moved to offices near Borough Market. And I absolutely hate it. It's pubs, it's food shops and restaurants and loads and loads. Because I'm going to work very, very late. So it's like about 11.30 midnight when I'm walking through mm. uh, Borough Market. And there's just you know, the smell of the food. There's fried food everywhere. And it's just people... Nothing wrong with fried there's, food. No, there's nothing wrong with fried food. I love it myself. But there's all these uh, takeaway food outlets, loads of them there. Not the chain ones, sort of quite hipster ones. And it is. It's hipsters. It's hipsters. It's guys with beards braying. No, everybody's so noisy. They're talking and shouting. Not talking. They're I shouting. I think people in the in UK a, are louder. Oh, definitely they're shouting all the time you know even it's worse people than... talk louder as well on the phone and stuff yeah but you know and there because it's so packed with people you've got to shout to make yourself heard and i'm just trying to walk through these and the whole time people just bang into you and they don't they never ever so, you know there's people walking around on their phones and nobody ever apologizes it's i absolutely hate it and on that <laughs> joyful note yeah borough markets a terrible terrible place and, and you know you find that in all sorts of areas of london where there are um lots of uh, hipster people you yeah know, and it's... sense of entitlement maybe do you have a meme for us i do absolutely um, she says, trying to find it. A girl agreed to go out with me after I gave her a bottle of tonic water. Swept her off her feet. That's more of a puzzle. That's one of the jokes that we use. I think at that's the funny. You like that, do you? Mm-hmm. Good. I liked this a lot, but um, I don't. I just don't think you'll find it funny at all. Mm-hmm. And it's also pictures, so I can't really explain it. So, but you can just have a. You can just read it. Right. Well, there's a picture of a spatula, and it says, "That's a nice kitchen j- drawer you're about to open there." And then there's another picture of the spatula. So it's the spatula is speaking. And the spatula yeah, yeah, yeah. says, be a shame if something were to prevent that entirely because a spatula gets caught. It, it, yeah. is, it is funny. About but it, with the, visual. like, zoomed in, it's got, like, a zoomed in picture of the spatula. I just love, like, zoomed in inanimate mm. objects. I think that's really funny. Spatula's a great word as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, do you remember the it's age funny. you were when you learned the word spatula? No. Woody Allen, uh, Woody Allen, who's now I've personal seen friend. Him. You've seen him in person. In the flesh. Yeah. It wasn't really not that exciting, though. He was shooting a film in Spain. I mean, mm. God bless him, he's still shooting films despite the fact that he can't get them shown anymore. You know, he did a rainy day in New York for Netflix, and Netflix won't show can't it. Can't so. watch Annie Hall in the same way anymore. No. But anyway, um, spatula. Woody Allen grew up with parents who spoke Yiddish a lot. You know, I mean, I throw in the odd word of Yiddish, but his parents used loads of Yiddish. And uh, when he was growing up... Wait, Woody Allen's Jewish? When he was growing up, 
Well done, I like it. Thank you. Uh, when he was growing up in uh, Coney Island, um, his parents were throwing these Yiddish words all the time, and he didn't know which words were Yiddish and which words were were English words. Uh, you know, because when he was growing up, yeah, was, yeah. that was the language, mixed up, that yeah. was the language around the house. But yeah, so so he didn't know which words were Yiddish, and he he once said, uh, "Do you know? I never used the word spatula till I was twelve years old because I thought it was Yiddish." <laughs> It does sound Yiddish, though. It could be, couldn't it? Uh, right, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, we gave the address, we'll give it again, martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. And provided you've decided not to go on holiday again, having had you two holidays, uh, we'll do it again next week. Yes, we'll be back next week. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.